Hi, this is Sam Genoway. I'm the author of Walter the Promise of Progress City and the Disneyland Story, The Unofficial Guide, and you're listening to Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 52 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at storiesofthemagic.com slash audible. There's over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, including my book, Faith in the Magic Kingdom. In this episode, we begin a two-part interview with the creator of the Xanaland website and former Walt Disney World cast member, Susanna Mitchell. We had a great talk about her time as a cast member, creating and running Xanaland, being on the Disney Moms panel, what she really wanted to do for Disney, and more. In this episode, Susanna talks about how she got started working for Disney and what she did, being one of the first people to work at the Main Street Athletic Club, what it felt like to be in Disney's Traditions class, and it was a little bit different for her at Walt Disney World than it was for my guests who did it at Disneyland. Getting her name tag, moving back up north and working at the Disney Store, and how different that was from working in the parks. Moving back to Florida and finally getting the job she'd wanted all along. Having to give up that job sooner than she'd have liked. Why Disney, especially the Disney parks, means so much to her. The first time she remembers thinking, I'm really part of this. It's one of her most treasured memories. Her first visit to Disneyland. What she loved most about working for Disney. A couple of in-park stories. How Xanaland came to be and becoming a member of the Disney Moms panel. Now, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and begin this story. My name is Al. And I'm Joyce. And we're We're huge huge Disneyland Disneyland fans. fans. In fact, we love the Disneyland Resort so much, we host a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on Earth to share that passion with others. That's right. On our show, Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast, we share current resort news, some tips and tricks we've learned over the years to help make your Disneyland Resort vacation the most magical experience ever. We uncover little-known and often-overlooked gems we like to call hidden treasures, and even review the attractions and places to eat that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And if that wasn't enough... We even share some video episodes to help keep you in that Disney magic state of mind. If you're a longtime fan of the Disneyland Resort, or you've just recently discovered the magic, this podcast is for you. You can find Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast at www.talescast.com and in iTunes. And remember, make make it it a a Mickey Mickey day. And now... This week's interview on Stories of the Magic. When I think of people who personify the Disney community, one of the first names that comes to mind is Susanna Mitchell. 
Even if you don't recognize that name, I'm sure you'll recognize this one, Xanaland. Susanna started as a guest for Disney, transitioned into being a cast member, and now is back to being a guest, also creating that aforementioned Xanaland website, being a member of the Walt Disney World Moms panel a few years ago, working for Mouse Fan Travel, and more. To say Disney is a part of who she is may be an understatement. Her Xanaland site is hugely popular, as well it should be, given the quality of the content combined with the heart and the passion that she infuses in all she writes, whether it's about the parks, Disney handbags, or anything else she chooses to write about. But as usual, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is going to be a fun and interesting interview, so you are in for a treat. Susanna, welcome to Stories of the Magic. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. And that was a lovely intro. I, I hope I can live up to all of those nice words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that will not be a problem. <laughs> so as we start out, tell me a little bit about how you got started working for Disney and what you did there. It seems like a kind of a good jumping off point. Sure. Well, I had kind of floundered in college a little bit. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to write and I took creative writing for children as a major for a little bit. And then I got into public relations for a little bit. And I was like, oh, I really don't know. It was a, a case of I should have taken a semester off to get my brain in order, I think, before I tried to do everything at once. But anyway, so <laughs> in the process <laughs> of that, I I had this revelation that, you know what I want to do is I want to work for Disney. If anyone's, you know, read my early posts on my site are actually one of my most recent ones. I went over this again, but, you know, I started out going to Disney when I was very young and I sort of fell in love with it um, when Epcot first came about. And I just, you know, my whole family had just had this love for it and it was just kind of ingrained in me. So it seemed like a natural thing. And I was kind of kicking myself for not having thought of it earlier. Like, oh, of course I should be doing that. So I, at the time thought I would work for the travel company and I found a school, which was, I didn't know at the time, because, you know, I was, whatever I was, 21 or something. Uh, I didn't really know too much about actually working for the company. I was living in Massachusetts, which is where I mostly grew up. And I didn't know that you could just go apply. You didn't have to have travel background or anything like that. But I guess I thought I wanted to do it right. So I found this college that actually had a degree program in travel and tourism management. A uh, very small college in Newton, Massachusetts. So I did that and then um, decided to move down. This was in 1995. And um, my mom and my boyfriend at the time followed me down. And we all got jobs at Disney. Um, when I got down here, they actually were not hiring for the travel company. So they said, well, you can work on merchandise on Main Street, USA. And who wouldn't think that was a magical thing to do? So <laughs> right. <laughs> I was all excited for that. And just the whole process of going to the casting center and, you know, walking up that ramp. I don't know if you've ever been in there, but or anyone that's listening, but it's just it's such a magical experience. And they really know how to make you excited to go to work. So it was just a wonderful time and wonderful experience. And of course, that led into my actual working on Main Street USA, which was lots of fun. Well, when you worked on Main Street, you were merchandise hostess, I think is the term, right? Yes, correct. Now, I, re I read as I was doing a little bit of research in preparation for this that you opened the Main Street Athletic Club. Yes, is that right? that's correct. And it was a time when the magic shop had just closed down and they had been, you know, doing construction on this new um, 
shop and I wasn't I'm not sure if this was like ex- I was there for the grand opening because it's kind of a blur. It's a long time ago now. <laughs> sure. But I know I was like, you know, one of the first people to work there. We got the new little costumes, which they don't have anymore. Sadly, I loved those. They were really cool. I think I have a picture of them somewhere on my site, but they were like these turquoise blue, almost like sailor looking shirts. And then the plaid skirts that they have on the rest of Main Street, they made into like these knickers. So it was really fun and it was so much cooler than the long skirts and the long sleeve blouses that they have on the rest of Main Street. With the, At that time, they were bow ties. Now they're that little fluffy tie thing. Um, and right. the, boys, the boys had different costumes, too. They were like knickers as well that were brown and then they were brown shirts with like a little string opening in the front. So anyway, it was it was a really fun experience because it was new for everyone that was in there. It was they had done the little first section, which sold at the time collectibles and autographed pictures and things like that. And the rest was really sports themes. We we had golf clubs and, you know, golf shirts and things like that. But it's now sort of all homogenized together, but <laughs> it's, still, right. it's still a fun place to walk through. Having only been to Walt Disney World actually three times, I think, I I couldn't tell you if the Main Street Athletic Club is even still there or where it is oh, okay. on Main Street or anything. It's basically right, if you're walking from the castle back down to Main Street, Casey's is on the corner and it's right next to that. Okay, so it's like the next one after Casey's. Right, so there was used to be, when I worked there, a register right in that first room after Casey's and we got to smell the lovely scent of hot dogs and sauerkraut all night. So that was always a favorite spot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was really a fun time. And if you worked in that section, you were working, could be stationed in Disney Clothiers as well, which was right next to that. This was before the Emporium had even connected through the little annex thing. So at the time there was that uh, little alleyway between the Emporium and Disney Clothiers. So we could either be in there, which Disney Clothiers at the time was mostly embroidered shirts versus this, you know, the, just the regular t-shirts. It was more like the one step up kind of clothing that they had. But now okay. that section now is all the little girl princessy kind of stuff. Gotcha. This was back when merchandise was a little bit more diversified yes among the shops <laughs> yeah so there was things that you could only get in certain sections not you know everywhere yeah i miss those times yes me too <laughs> <laughs> so you worked in the main street athletic club and uh in disney clothiers were there any other uh, the shops that you worked in while you were there on main street i then transferred probably about like six or seven months in i can't remember the exact info but i transferred across the street to uptown jewelers um we had this little family of us that had all been at main street athletic club since the beginning and they had some situation with you know they needed a cast member over in uptown jewelers and they were going to take the person with the lowest seniority but at the time that guy was dating someone else that worked there so i was like all right i'll be the nice guy and go over too uptown jewelers so <laughs> i made the huge sacrifice to go across the street wow that's very big of you. <laughs> but what's funny is at, at the time it had this reputation for a lot of the um 
Main Street cast members with seniority worked there. So you had a lot of older cast members and people that, you know, had the perfect seven to three schedule and things like that. There's a lot of cast member issues with seniority and things like that. Everyone wants the good schedule and the weekends off and things like that. So there was a lot of internal uh, things like that going on behind the scenes. But over at Main Street Athletic Club, it had been mostly staffed by college program kids. And then there was a few of us that were not in the college program, but were around that same age and things like that. So it was a, a different thing. And I was a little bit nervous about going across the street, but I um, also had a huge love at the time for the Disney watches that they did, the limited edition ones and things like that. So it all worked out in the end because I got to be around those all day. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you had mentioned college program, and of course you had said you were in college and then decided to move down to do this and, mm -hmm. and everything. Did you ever consider the college program for this? I did, and a bunch of my friends actually did the little group interview for it. It was a big thing at, at all those schools, because I had transferred schools a few times, but all of them had always talked about the Disney college program. And they gave us little tips. And, you know, if you're doing a group interview, make sure you stand out. And I had psyched myself up so much about it. And I was so nervous. I'm a shy person in real life. And I was just <laughs> like, I can't deal with it. So <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to move down there and work there anyway. So I do wish I had done it. But it worked out the way it did. And, and I think it was for the best because I had my family with me and things like that. So we all got to experience it. Well, that's good. Two different ways to basically accomplish pretty much the same thing. Right. So that's good. Uh, and actually, before we continue on, because I, I know that after working uh, as a mer merchandise hostess, there was a couple other things you did. But I actually want to back up a little bit and talk about traditions a little. Mm -hmm. I, I've talked to a couple other cast members that have told a little bit, not so much about the details of traditions, but just kind of what it felt like to be there. And especially for somebody like you, who was such a huge Disney fan, and it meant so much to you before becoming a cast member. What was it like to be in traditions? It was, I mean, I, it's still one of my favorite things in life ever. <laughs> At the time, it was a two-day process. Now I think it's just a one-day. But we walked into Disney University, which in and of itself is just like super cool because you're backstage and it's called Disney University and there's all these fun pictures on the wall and, you know, you walk in and there's a table and everyone has a folder and your name tag is on it. And when you see that, it's... At the time, there was no such thing as, you know, like pins with your name on them or people could buy, you know, name tags now with their name on them. That wasn't a thing. So to see this iconic name tag that you grew up seeing and it has your name on it and where you're from was a pretty special experience. And it was just that almost made me cry. It probably did make me cry at the time. I don't know. <laughs> Do you remember actually being given your name tag or did you just pick it up off the table? They were actually or just on the table like that. It was... But it was almost, you know, more fun that way because it was just your own little special private moment. And uh, it was really cool. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that, that is very cool. And it's a different tradition story a little bit because everybody I've talked to so far that's been through it and we talked about it has done it out at Disneyland. So it was a little bit different oh, in okay. the process of actually getting the name tag. So huh. it's interesting to hear this this other perspective. Oh, on yeah. It. I had no idea. Now I want to know what they did out there. <laughs> Yeah, out there, there was a little ceremony, and oh, you were wow. giving, like, your name tag was pinned on you. And... Oh, see, that sounds like Disneyland. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? I love that. 
That's very cool. But the the whole thing, I mean, we, you know, saw the videos about the history of Disney and we played little games. And of course, a lot of people that are working there were just local people that wanted to get a job and they weren't necessarily huge Disney fans. So when we went around doing Disney trivia, I may or may not have, you know, answered everything. And everyone's looking at me like, you answer. (laughs) (laughs) Was there a prize for answering the most questions? We got little pvc figures and i think they still do that because i hear and see people on twitter that are going through it and they're just like everyone asks you know did you get any figures and i think they still do it so it was kind of like a little point of pride to see how many figures you could get at the end of traditions (laughs) i still have (laughs) and they gave you a little cart to carry yours out (laughs) (laughs) like we could get somebody to help you with that (laughs) so you worked on main street for a while it was a little less than a year, yes, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but then that's not your only experience working for Disney, right? Right. Um, at the time, I had still wanted to do the travel thing. And I, for whatever reason, I, I was they didn't have the open positions or I wasn't able to transfer into the travel company. And another thing came up with a local travel agency. So I went and did that for a while. And then I had my children, my oldest two children, Um, So it was after we had moved back up to Massachusetts, I decided, well, I should probably try to get a job and do something fun. And why not work for the Disney store? Because I have Disney experience and, you know, it would be the perfect thing. But I soon discovered that working at the mall (laughs) was not exactly the best thing for me. It was a completely different, you know, it was a, a genuine retail experience when you're at Disney on Main Street or anywhere, at least back when I worked there, there was no, you should be selling this and this is what your quota should be and that sort of thing. Um, So it was kind of more fun to be a guest at that point. So I didn't hang out there for too long. But, you know, I mean, it, it might be different. This was before the Disney store had been all redone and things like that. So I think it's a whole different animal at this point. But at the time, and I think I had gone back to work too much too early because I I missed my little people a lot. So (laughs) sure, I waited a few more years before I we moved back to Florida and I finally got that job at the Disney Travel Company. (laughs) Nice. So what was that like to finally get the job you'd been wanting? It was exciting. Again, it was a a situation where there was no experience necessary. So there was a lot of people just, you know, off the street that wanted to do this job. And I had kind of knew the product, you know, that we were had to learn about. So the training process was kind of interesting because I just sort of already knew everything and I just wanted to learn how to do the computer parts of it. Um, (laughs) So was it another traditions kind of thing or was it very different from that? um, Wow. I don't think, no, we didn't, well, they must've done traditions. Wow. I kind of blocked that out, I guess. I don't remember. (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) (laughs) It's really weird that I don't remember that. Hmm. Well, it was a fun time. (laughs) Um, I know we did do, I think we might not have done traditions because it it might have been a separate thing that we did in-house. I I don't know. If someone is listening and did the travel company, they're probably going to correct me. But I know we had later gone out and done uh, resort tours and things like that. So I might be confusing it with that. I can see that. I mean, it's been a while and there's probably a lot that went into that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was a crazy time as well for me. Uh, Right after I finished, it was a six-week training program. I do remember that. And I loved every minute of it. And 
soon after, like two weeks after I got out on the floor selling, my father passed away. So it was just kind of a very rough time. And um, then my husband at the time got transferred to Tampa. So I hadn't been with the travel company long enough to transfer internally. So that just kind of ended that thing right there and <laughs> started the oh. next chapter of my <laughs> Disney life, which was not working for the company. But Have you ever thought about going back to the Walt Disney Travel Company? I have. You know, my mom has worked. She worked for them. Uh, she moved down with us to Tampa and she ended up working there for them. And I think I actually interviewed for the travel company again a few years back. And I just, I had a little one again at the time and I, I just couldn't guarantee the schedule, you know? So I had gotten so used to being a stay at home mom and being able to, I was like working at Starbucks just for the fun of it on the side. And I couldn't commit to the hours that they wanted me to work at that point. So I had gotten a little bit too much freedom and, and Disney needs you to be pretty flexible with your schedule and things like that. So it led me to uh, Xanaland though. So it all worked out in the end. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> and we're definitely going to talk about Xanaland quite a, a bit in a little while here. Okay. So, uh, but so overall, how long did you work for Disney? Uh, if you put it all together, it's probably still only you know maybe three or four years altogether, if even that much. It seems like so much more to me because I was there so much and I was doing so many different fun things. I do wish that I had the cast member experience that many of my friends had that they've been there for 20 years and things like that. It just turned out that I was a better guest than cast member in the, the roles that I had. So it was an, an amazing experience and I wouldn't have traded it for the world. I'm not sure what would have happened if I stayed with the company and was able to work up the ladder and see where it led. Of course, when you first start with the company, everyone has dreams like that. And, you know, they definitely promote from within. And it's exciting to imagine where you might end up. But life just took me in a different direction. <laughs> that does happen. Yes. <laughs> I've heard people say, and just based on the experience externally that I've had, but interacting with people who have worked for the company, uh, I've given the same advice to people who say, well, I want to do such and such for Disney. And I say, just get a job with them right. anywhere, mm -hmm. doing anything, and then work your way from there. Yeah, it's true. You know, but then sometimes you do that and things go a different direction right. even than that. So, mm -hmm. But you know, it sounds like you had taken a good path for moving to whatever direction you wanted to. But then that sets you up well for doing these other things outside of it. Right. So now I'd already, you know, in the course of you talking about how you, you got started working for them, you t kind of talked a little bit about why you wanted to work for Disney, which was pretty much that you loved travel and tourism and Disney. And mm -hmm. well, you were, you loved Disney and you were interested in travel and tourism. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little better way to put it, but <laughs> at least that's what I got from, yes. from the way you answered. Okay. <laughs> so we have that, but why does Disney, especially the Disney parks, it sounds like that's really where your heart is, is the Disney parks. Um, why does that mean so much to you? Oh, it's hard to articulate that, I guess. It was just, you know, growing up and coming there, it was such, it's so overused, but it was such a magical place. And it was different from anything else. It was an escape from reality, um, a place where you felt truly special and that 
you know, you felt taken care of and that everyone played a part and it played their role so well. It, it wasn't just a person selling you T-shirts. It was, you know, someone from that era on Main Street USA that was there to help you and, you know, all the different attractions and things like that, of course. Just the details and the story that Disney had to tell is what drew me in and kept me wanting to come back. And, you know, that's what made me want to be a part of it all was just that I had taken so much of it in and I just wanted to take that next step to be even more a part of it. And I thought being a cast member was the only way to do that. And I found out later that was not necessarily true, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard to say what in particular, but it just became a part of my childhood that it was still there. It was still able, you know, I could go to Disney that still today. So it was something that I wanted to keep in my life and, and keep going. I, I think I went through phases where I tried to, you know, downplay it and not be as obsessed <laughs> With Disney, because of course, you know, you meet people that aren't as into it as you are. My oldest sister and brother want nothing to do with Disney. So it was always funny. They're nine and 10 years older than me. So going to the parks for them was like torture. And for me, I was just happy and excited about everything. So it's funny. And you meet people like that, that are just like, gosh, you go to Disney a lot and you just learn to maybe not talk about it as much. But that was before finding all of the wonderful people that I found online in the Disney community. So <laughs> it's different when your neighborhood opens up that much. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in fact, have you read Sam Genoway's book, Walt and the Promise of Progress City? I've read most of it. I actually have it. And <laughs> it's very hard for me to find time to read, but yes. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, when he and I talked about it, he said that one of the reasons he wrote it is for those of us who love Disney and love going to the parks and everything, when people talk to us and say, you're going there again? We actually have an answer to give them that's intellectual and, you know, as a, like you know, so, you know, if you deliver it properly with just the right amount of condescension in your voice, <laughs> then you know, you can even feel better about yourself while you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you also wrote a post, and I'm sure it's not going to be the most recent one by the time I actually released this interview, but it was mid-February, late February that you wrote a post about Epcot and how much that meant to you. And even when you talked about, in the answer to the very first question, Epcot was the first park that you mentioned by name. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to ask you to rehash the post <laughs> or kind of go back through it. I know it took a lot of time and effort and everything to write it. So I'm just going to put a link to it in the show notes for this episode oh, okay. and tell people to go read it <laughs> because it's absolutely worth your time to do that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so having said that, when you, especially when you started working on Main Street, uh, that very f first time you write after traditions maybe even during traditions i don't know do you remember the first time that you thought i am really here i'm actually doing this i am a part of this well <laughs> funny you should mention that my very first week there i i think i started work on the first of july and you know, what comes three days after that is the, <laughs> the 4th of July, which is perhaps one of the most busy times of the year at the Magic Kingdom or now everywhere. Um, so it was kind of a trial by fire for sure. And 
as crazy and hectic and uh, stressful as it was, it was amazing. And it was, you felt like you were a part of it. You were helping people and you were, you know, being a part of their vacation and their magic, even if it was just selling them a t-shirt or whatever. Um, so that was exciting. And, but I, I think the first part where I realized oh my gosh, look at where I am, is at the end of the night, we would have to cash out our registers and bring them across the street. And we would cross Main Street, or sometimes you would do it by yourself, and you just look down and there's nobody, this is hours after the park is closed. And you just, I would look to the left and see the castle and the street cleaners were just starting to come out and hose down the streets. The music was still going, the lights were still on, and it was just unbelievable. And I was like, I'm standing here right now. I'm in a costume. I've got a name tag on and there's the castle. So that's one of my most treasured memories. Of course, you know, I've now been to the parks like that and been there at the end of the night when nobody's there, but it's, it's never been quite as magical as those first times when I experienced that. Oh, I can imagine. (laughs) Uh, When you would do that, was the music still on or had they turned it off by then? No, it was still on. (laughs) (laughs) So it was kind of, you had this yeah. kind of to yourself. And I would walk really slow across the street because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want it to end. <laughs> I'm sure. Have you ever thought much about the last time that you did that and what that was like? Oh, wow. Um, hmm. I can't really remember. Well, at that point, see, it wasn't as magical <laughs> an answer because when I moved across the street to Uptown Jewelers, I didn't have to cross the street anymore. So we just had to go behind backstage. So it wasn't as magical, but, you know, I did go back to the Magic Kingdom, you know, and and be there late at night and things like that. It's always a magical time. And I think that was renewed for me when I went to Disneyland for the first time, not even, you know, nothing to do with being a cast member, but being in the park after hours, after you get so used to, for me as a local, seeing the Magic Kingdom all the time and all the parks over here, but seeing that same experience of just hanging out in the hub and nobody's there and the lights are on and the music's on, you know, it it is the most magical time, I think. I agree. Uh, how long ago was it that you had your first visit to Disneyland? It was pretty recent. It was um, 2011 for the D23 Expo, which was the second one. I missed the first one altogether. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's too bad. You missed Johnny Depp. <laughs> I know. I missed all the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just, you know, I, I've i been on the East Coast my entire life, and uh, California seemed like this foreign land that I would never get to, and it wasn't until going to Destination D here in Walt Disney World for the 40th um, anniversary and talking and seeing all the people speak and and talking to so many friends that had been down here. that I was like, well, maybe I could go to California because I was so excited by the things that D23 was doing. And I had, it was just sort of like a rebirth of sorts because I didn't know that there was this many people that were so into the history of the company and things like that. So to find that and hear about everything that was going to be at the next expo and everything that was at the first expo, I was like, I have to make this happen. And it just sort of happened last minute that I got out to Disneyland in August of that year. And it was pretty magical. <laughs> <laughs> so, And now I've been back, I think, four or five times since then. So... <laughs> I'm kind of getting addicted. 
<laughs> well, I'm happy to facilitate, foster, encourage that addiction in any way. <laughs> I live not too far from Disneyland, oh, okay. so... Yeah, you know, I grew up going there. Yeah. And I remember going to Walt Disney World for the first time in 2010 and stepping wow. into the Magic Kingdom. And I had to stop for a minute. And I told my wife, I didn't think I would ever step into a Disney park for the first time mm. ever again. <laughs> and I'd forgotten what it feels like. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty amazing feeling. And for me, getting to walk on Main Street where Walt walked was just like a huge thing. It was just, you know, you could almost feel him there still. And oh, <laughs> <laughs> lots of tears. And, and everyone had warned me beforehand because, you know, this was all I knew was over here. And they had all said, oh, you're not going to like it. You're going to think it's so small and and it's so old. And I walked in, I was like, what? What were all these people talking about? I love this. And now I'm like the biggest, you know, evangelist for Disneyland because I think everyone needs to go there and needs to love it as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> so with all the time that you worked for the Disney company in those three different areas, what did you love most about what you did? Um, I think just being a part of the Disney family and the Disney team, uh, even though, you know, they don't really refer to it as a team like that. We're all just cast members. And But <clears throat> I think being able to be part of that special club, if you want to call it that, <laughs> was really exciting and I loved it. And I love hanging out with cast members still to this day. And I love just, I don't know, it, it, it adds a, an extra special level to your Disney love, I think, is being able to say, I'm a cast member. And I do, you know, miss being able to say that, but it was a, an incredible experience. And I think it's, if you love Disney, especially, you know, there's people that work at Disney every day that may not have the love that we have for it and things like that. But I think if you do, it makes it that much more special. Oh, yeah. And you can tell mm -hmm. who does and who doesn't most of the time. Definitely. Yeah. And now I've actually heard you say once and when you just talked about having been a cast member and, and not anymore, but still being a part of that environment and everything, uh, it reminded me that I've heard you say once, uh, once a cast member, always a cast member. <laughs> yes. I had that in my head to talk about. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah. I think, at least for me, I think most people perhaps, unless they really do treat it like, you know, just a nine to five day job and, and don't consider any of the, the history or the background that they've become a part of. But I think if you take it seriously and you realize what Walt wanted to do um, and you pay attention during those traditions classes or class now, <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it sticks with you. And, you know, even when I was a cast member and I would be off but in the parks on a certain day, you know, I'd still, and to this day, I'd still pick up trash if I see it on the ground. And I'm notorious for doing this in the stores. If things are out of place, I will, you know, fold them or put them back. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> I just can't help it. All my, and I still fold my laundry the way I folded my shirts back in Magic Kingdom. I can't. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> I have to make sure that all the shirts are folded the right way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
That's great. I love yeah. that. I don't know why, but I just love that. <laughs> and it, it's funny because every time I do it, I think of that. And it wasn't even, you know, a huge amount of time in my life, but it just always reminds me of that time frame. But I think that sense of pride and responsibility of keeping the magic and the dream alive sticks with you. So I don't ever want to be a disrespectful guest or a disrespectful park goer or do anything that would disrupt anyone else's time. So I, I think I'm always just thinking of, you know, if other people are perhaps having an issue or something like that, I'm still always thinking like, oh, what could I do to help that out? Or, you know, let a person go in front of me or anything like that, that it just sticks with you and you do think about other people when you're there and you want them to have the best experience. Like I always, they tell you when you're in traditions that you have to think about every guest that you meet, it might be their first time. And I, I still think that when I'm in the parks now and I see people and I'm like, oh, if this is their first time, it has to be extra special and magical for them. So it just, it's always in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that affects your enjoyment of the parks in a way that would be different than the typical guest that visits? I don't think so. I think more than that, the fact that I'm a local and I go so much, or I used to before I was working so much. <laughs> right. Um, I think that changes my view of things more than thinking about being a cast member or having been one. It doesn't ever affect me like to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm not having any fun because I'm worrying about everyone else. It's definitely not like that. I think... I more think that way as a local thinking, uh, you know, well, I don't have to do that ride because there's too long of a line or things like that. You know, it doesn't really affect me negatively in any way. Yeah. What about positively? Um, positively, I think I'm always trying to look for the silver lining in things. Um, and that's why, you know, it can sometimes be hard as a local or a former cast member to see things that may be in disrepair or, you know, there's a lot of things now with the transition to My Magic Plus and FastPass Plus where, you know, signs may have duct tape on them or whatever. And you seeing that kind of is like, <laughs> uh-huh. But I definitely try to give Disney the benefit of the doubt and try to be as positive and supportive as I can. But yeah, it is hard sometimes knowing what used to be, you know, so that can be a challenge. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> now, I know it's been a while, but do you have any favorite stories from when you were working for Disney or something that made magic for a guest that you did, or maybe even something that a guest did that made some special magic for you? I was trying to think of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard because I was in, you know, merchandise and I wasn't like really helping guests as far as, you know, like doing fun things and attractions or being out on the streets with them. But I think there were times when, you know, someone would be trying to find something and you would be able to be the one to help them. And even those little things, it, it may not be one huge story, but just those little things always add up and knowing that you actually helped someone is always a great feeling. For a while there, when I was on Main Street, if they needed help in the baby care center, um, I would go down there and work there. And that, of course, is where lost children go as well. So there were a lot of times there when you would be the one to comfort a child that had been brought there, and then you would see them being reunited with their parents. And that was always a great experience. And that carries on with the once a cast member, always a cast member, because I would be off 
and I would see off work, I mean, on my days off, and I would see, I remember this one time I was walking through Liberty Square and there was this lost child and she was crying and freaking out. And I was like, oh, it's going to be okay. And I like took her over to another cast member and I was like, it's okay. I'm a cast member. Because <laughs> <laughs> you think about that now and you're like, I probably seemed like a crazy person to them because I was just a random person saying, you know, I'll take care of you. But at the time, it just <laughs> seemed like the right thing to do. But yeah, I mean, there's a million stories like that of you helping people out and getting them exactly what they're looking for. But it's all just a happy blur at this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. The only person I can think of that I've interviewed that worked for Disney that long ago and remembers specific stories is Dean Gashler. Hmm. Because he spent seven years in the Harmony Barbershop. Oh, wow. And in 14 years as the Grand Marshal Coordinator. Oh, wow. And so he started there in 90, 91, something like that. So he probably was working in the Harmony Barbershop while you were working uh, Main Street stores. But obviously his days were very, especially once he got into Grand Marshal Coordinator, were very guests right. individual mm-hmm. focus yeah so otherwise i would think that at this point the things that would most likely stand out would be anything dramatically different uh in a good way which mm-hmm. for the most part there isn't that much of or anything that was really bad that happened yeah. so if you don't have any of those <laughs> that's probably a good thing well i mean <laughs> there's a few times but you know <laughs> It's all water under the bridge. There's a lot of tour groups that come through Walt Disney World, as I'm sure you've heard of. Oh, yes. <laughs> we won't mention any specific countries. Brazil. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I don't know where exactly. that came from. <laughs> that is, I mean, talk about trial by fire. That working in the summer when that is a thing is a definite trial by fire. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> No, I'm just curious. I just happened to think of this. When you moved over into the jewelry shop and you were working with cast members who had been there longer and you were older, by any chance, do you remember if any of them maybe worked back to around the time that the Magic Kingdom opened? There was actually when we opened up Main Street Athletic Club, there was a cast member that started out there and then she must have transferred to somewhere else but she was one of the opening day cast members and she really wasn't that young so she must have been like I mean wasn't that old she must have been like 16 or something when she started working because she was not even what I would consider an old person at the time back then (laughs) Um, but for the rest of them uh, when I went to Uptown Jewelers, most were had moved down here to retire. So there weren't really too many that had even been there too long. They'd just been there longer than all of us. <laughs> gotcha. So, yeah. Of that one that was there on opening day, did she tell any stories or anything? You don't have to remember what the stories <laughs> were, but did she talk about that no, much? No, I didn't really get to work with her that much. I just remember her being there when we were all like learning about the different merchandise. And then I don't know what happened to her. She must, well, she probably probably worked days and I worked nights. That was probably the situation because she had more seniority than anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There was somebody over in Uptown Jewelers who, when I moved away to Massachusetts and then came back, I was sad to see that they didn't even have this position anymore. But he used to work there and fix all of the watches. If you had a broken watch or even broken jewelry, he would sit there and he would fix things. He would put batteries in watches and things like that. And I guess they got rid of his position. But yeah, he was quite the character. And 
always had a great time with the guests. So there was a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember hearing about that position. I think they even had something similar at one of the shops in New Orleans Square out here. Hmm. And they've gotten rid of that one, too. Yeah. Uh, probably not as much of a call for it anymore. Mm -hmm. But that would be a, a really unique uh, opportunity yeah. to, to work in. Now, I know that you're another one of those people who didn't just leave it at working for Disney for a while. So how did Xanaland come to be? Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> after my father passed away, I decided, well, I need to do something with my life. And as I mentioned way back in the beginning, I had always wanted to write. And I decided to write my own little zine, which was this little self-published booklet. It was like popular online and things like that. And you could sell them online or sell them in local bookshops and things like that. So I decided to write one of those. I had a bunch of friends online that had done them. And it was basically just <laughs> the story of me trying to find myself as far as a career working. And from that, I decided to start the website to sell that and write a little bit on there. But I really didn't think of it as a blog. And I really didn't have too much to say at that point. Uh, it was just, it definitely wasn't about Disney, but it was called Xanaland.com because the zine was called Xanadu. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> Clever. Yeah. So... <laughs> It was subtitled "My Life as a Slacker" or something like that. I, I forget now, but anyway. <laughs> Not to be confused with the was Olivia Newton-John movie. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Which I guess there's a musical now called "Xana Don't," or there was. It's not like new now, but anyway. <laughs> For a while there, when you would Google that, that's what would come up. Um, <laughs> so I then, you know, decided to make jewelry and then it suddenly hit me that I was discovering other blogs out there and I thought, well, I could do this. And I, I still didn't think of the Disney aspect because at this point in my life, we were going probably once a month and I wasn't hanging out with people that were really into Disney. So I was kind of hiding my love and obsession for it. And I thought I would just be a funny blogger and write witty, silly stories and things like that of my life as a mom. But that proved to be too difficult to try to be funny all the time. <laughs> so that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it is. It was frustrating too. When you first start out with, you know, a blog, it's frustrating to not have a million readers instantly. So it was just like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, then I just stumbled upon the Disney community within Twitter. And I realized that there was people that wrote Disney blogs and there was even this thing called the Disney moms panel. And I was just like, what? They answer questions about Disney. This is like, you know, right up my alley. This is what I should be doing. So I switched my focus to Disney and I just started writing about my past and visits and memories and things like that. And it was at that point that I discovered the moms panel thing and I I think I applied the first year because I'd seen it in a magazine, actually. I forget what. It must have been Family Fun or something because that was Disney related. Mm -hmm. And I applied and then instantly forgot that I applied. <laughs> and I never – I think they sent me a magnet or something, but I never really thought about it again. I don't know why. It just didn't you know, stay on my radar. But it wasn't until finding all these people on Twitter and seeing the other moms panelists that I was like, wait a minute <laughs> – 
And then I became obsessed. I kind of take things seriously when I get a passion that I'm uh, excited about. So (laughs) it became the thing that I wanted to do more than anything else in the world. So I wrote about that and I applied and I chronicled the whole experience of applying and hearing back. And I actually, there was this snafu where I didn't make it through to the third round, but then like two weeks later I did. And it was like the day before the phone interview that they told me. So that was crazy. Well, yeah, not a lot of time to prepare. Yeah, exactly. And I'm so, I've since gotten a little less nervous, but you know, speaking on the phone and talking to a group of people is not my strong suit. So (laughs) it was a little nerve wracking, but somehow probably because I you know, we're just talking about it nonstop and I wouldn't be quiet about it. I got on the panel. So it was very exciting. And um, it was, I kept up with the blog during that whole time and uh, was still writing about, you know, Disney and, and things like that because I, we did bombs panel training, but I was a part-time panelist, which was something new the year I started. Hmm. Um, They hadn't had anyone for Florida in like two years. So this was going into the third year of the mom's panel when I was going to be on it. And, or maybe it was the second, I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) so they did this part-time thing. So my time didn't start until I think October. So I really had almost the whole year and I was still just blogging and through that or the mom's panel, I somehow, you know, got onto Disney's radar and that's when I started getting invited to events and was able to cover those on the blog and it just spiraled from there. But yeah, that's how it all started. (laughs) Wow. So you mentioned getting to do some of these cool things that, you know, Disney had invited you to. And and I'm sure some other things outside of the world of Disney that you've uh, had a chance to do there in the Central Florida area. Mm -hmm. What's been some of the coolest things that you've gotten to do? Well, it's funny when I was doing my giant reboot of my blog, blog posts recently, I was thinking back to the very first event I was ever invited to as media. That brings us to the end of this week's show. A special thank you to Susanna Mitchell for being my guest and to you for listening. Next time, we'll be talking more about the Moms Panel, some tips for visiting the parks, classic Epcot, and more. You won't want to miss it. If you're currently doing something because of your love for Disney, you've written a book, you're blogging, writing, or performing music, art, whatever, and you want to tell people about it and why it matters to you, I want to hear from you. Email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY anytime, 24 hours a day. I also still want to talk to and hear from people who have worked for Disney, like Susanna. So, if you've worked for the Walt Disney Company in any capacity, and you'd like to share a positive story, again, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com, or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, let's talk! And if you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience, and you've had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic or you've had any special Disney experience you want to share or give a compliment or a thank you for anything Disney's done, I'd love to hear from you, too. Once again, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. Remember, 
Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Choose from titles like In the Shadow of the Matterhorn by David Smith, Creating Magic or the Customer Rules by Lee Cockerell, both past guests on the show, or, of course, my book, Faith in the Magic Kingdom. I am really proud of my book and of the job that Tales from the Mouse House podcast co-host Al Kessel did narrating it. If you visit the Audible website, you can hear a sample of the book and get a little audio peek at what a great job he did. To download your free audiobook today, hopefully it's Faith in the Magic Kingdom and you have a lot to choose from, go to storiesofthemagic.com slash audible. Again, that's storiesofthemagic.com slash audible for your free audiobook. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like the show, please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes, on Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. I've been asking for this every episode, and I really appreciate those of you who have done so. If you haven't yet, please take a couple of minutes and do so. The more people that leave ratings and reviews, the better it shows up in lists and searches, so it's easier for people to find the podcast. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode, too. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash storiesofthemagic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash storiesofmagic and tweet out that you're listening. Pin it on Pinterest, plus one on Google+. Tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic, too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories. And this tale continues next time. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line, 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.